I read an interesting article a couple years ago about the FDA. You know what the FDA is? The Food and Drug Administration. This is the government agency that is supposed to protect and monitor the purity of the food that we eat. Now, I'm using that word purity a little bit loosely here today because did you know, for example, that in like apple butter, you can have up to 12% mold infestation and it still passes. Apple butter can have up to four rodent hairs and five whole insects per 100 grams and still be considered something that can be put on the grocery store uh, shelves that you can go out and buy. Oh, it gets worse. I'm just getting warmed up here with these. (laughs) Mike says something I don't really like. How many of you coffee drinkers? Coffee drinkers out there? Yeah? All right. You can have up to 10% insect infestation, and it still gets passed. One more for you. Mushrooms. You can have up to 20 maggots in mushrooms, and it still passes. So basically some guy's job at some point was to say, you know what? 19 maggots is okay, but if you get 20, it's going to ruin your dinner. Isn't it sort of ironic that this very agency that's supposed to protect our purity tolerates a lot of impurity? You know, before we jump on them too hard, you know, I got to admit that I sometimes do the same thing. That I tolerate impurity in my own life, but I'm not just talking about like with food now. I'm talking like just actual moral types of things. And I think that if we're all honest, we would agree that there's times that we do the same thing. Jesus' very best friend while he was here on the earth it was a guy by the name of uh, John. And John says this, 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. He says, everyone who has hope in Christ will keep themselves, what? Will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. But again, sometimes I do an absolutely miserable job at this. And what I've discovered is anytime I'm not keeping myself pure, what has happened is it's become, what does Gilbert want? Not what does Jesus want? And that's when I get into trouble, and that's when you get into trouble as well. Anytime you start to do what you want to do instead of what Jesus wants you to do, you're not remaining pure. You're allowing some impurity in your life, just like the FDA is allowing impurities into our food. And we really shouldn't tolerate this. And that's why we're doing this series right now called Text, where we're discovering, look, if you want more of Jesus in your life and less of you in your life, you have got to know what God's Word says. You've got to get in here because this is his love letter to you. This is his text message to you. This is the instruction book of life that he's given for you so that you can have the very best life that you possibly can. See, this isn't just a, a good book of you know, suggestions, of helpful tips for you as you go through life. No, 150 times we are told that this is the literal word of God. This isn't the word of men. This is the word of God. Another one of Jesus' friends, a guy by the name of Peter, he said, look, these aren't just clever stories that we've come up with. He says, no, we were eyewitnesses to all the things that Jesus did, what he said, and we've just recorded these things for you. This isn't our words. These are God's words that have been spoken to us, and now we want to speak these words so that you know how to have the very best life that you can have. Another great follower of Jesus, a guy by the name of Paul, said it this way in 2 Timothy 
uh, 3, 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, that little phrase there, God breathed, is pretty interesting. In the original Greek, it's actually just one word. It's theonumatos. And that actually comes from two Greek words. Theo, which means God, and pneuma, which means air. It means wind. It means power. Now, we've actually talked about this before. Pneuma is where we get our modern-day English word, pneumatic. How many ever used or seen like a pneumatic like drill or a pneumatic hammer or, you know, you just hook that baby up to the air compressor, right? And you don't have to stand there and pound the nails in. It's like pop, 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 and it just nails it right in, right? You ever used that before? It's just so powerful. My favorite pneumatic uh, instrument or piece of machinery is the pneumatic jackhammer. Now, I've never actually gotten to use one of the. I'm too small to use the pneumatic jackhammer. (laughs) It's like this, take me right away. But you ever see these guys out at construction sites and they got the pneumatic jackhammer? From what I understand, they're like 70 to 80 pounds, all right? And you hold on to this thing and you plug it into the air compressor and you turn it on and it starts to jump up and down, right? And it's just going, going, going. And what's it doing? It's breaking up that concrete. It's breaking up that asphalt. It is doing what you as a human, it would take you forever just to take like a sledgehammer and just keep trying to break that thing up and break it up, break it up. No, that pneumatic jackhammer, man, it's doing all the work for you. You have very little to do with it. It's what you're connected to, the, the source, the, the power, the air. That's what's creating all the work and doing all the work for you. Here's what I want you to imagine, though, for a second. What if that construction worker went over and he turned the air compressor off and he just had that 70-pound piece of machinery there in his arms and he's, like, lifting it up and he's throwing it down and he's lifting it up and he's throwing it down and he's lifting it up and he's throwing it down. What's going to happen? He's going to get tired, number one. Number two, he's not breaking up the asphalt. Why? Because he's disconnected from the power source. Here's what we need to understand. That word pneuma, which we translate as air and wind, is also the same word where we get the word spirit from. That any time you see about God's Holy Spirit in Scripture, it's talking about the pneuma, it's talking about the power, it's talking about the the wind. And the mistake that you and I make is that we get disconnected from the power source. See, when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and become the leader of your life, and by the way, today, July 27th, is my 21st spiritual birthday. 21 years ago tonight, yeah, 21 years ago tonight, two guys showed up at my doorstep, and for the first time, the whole gospel made sense. They shared it with me. And that night, not only did I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins, And I received that. And God gave me the promise of eternal life. It's at that very moment that you pray that prayer that God says, I'm going to send my power, I'm going to send my spirit to come and live inside of you. You don't have to go through life anymore by yourself on your own where you're trying to pick it up and throw it down, pick it up and throw it down, pick it up and throw it down. You're just wearing yourself out. When you truly have a relationship with Jesus, yes, it's great that you have eternal life to come, but right here, right now, He gives you the power to live life, to have the very best life, but you can't get disconnected. 
You can't think that you're going to do life your way and not be obedient to what God's Word says. God says, look, if you want to know what my Spirit wants to do in your life, it's all right here. I've written it all down for you. And this is the way you get connected to the Spirit and stay connected to the Spirit is by reading His Word every single day and saying, man, the parts that make sense, I'm going to start applying to my life. And the parts that don't make sense, I'm going to ask somebody about it because I want more and more and more and more of this in my life every single day. See, a lot of people, they they want some sort of audible voice from God that God speak to me. He already has. It's right here. It's all written down for you. But yet again, so often, our Bibles just stay tucked up on the bookshelf, collecting dust. And we've lost the power that God wants to have in our life. And so really, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about, you know, how do you actually have your life transformed by God's Word? Because the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the history of the Bible and the structure of the Bible and why you should be reading the Bible. But today, I actually want to talk about how does it transform your life? How does it do that? See, Paul said that God's word will do everything that it's set out to do. But you've got to get connected. You've got to be transformed. So here's how I want to start. I want to share with you a story from Franklin Delano Roosevelt. When he was the president of the United States, he said one of the things that he hated was when there was like big receptions at the White House and there was like a receiving line and that people would come through the line to meet the president. He said he hated those because he said nobody was really interested in me as a person. They were interested only because I was the president. Like they didn't really want to know me. They're just so excited that I'm at the White House and I'm getting to meet the president. He said people would go through the line and stuff and, and they just didn't really care about him. And so one day he decided he was going to do a little experiment. He said, as every single person went through the line, they would shake his hand. He would mutter under his breath, I killed my grandmother this morning. Just to see if people were really listening. And he said, they weren't. People were like, that's marvelous, Mr. President. Great job. Keep up the good work. We're so proud of you. God bless the USA. He said the only person that actually heard him was the ambassador to Bolivia who said, sir, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) Now, that's funny, but we do the same thing, don't we? We're not very good listeners. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're talking to somebody else, you're having a conversation, but you're really not hearing them because you're thinking about what you're going to say next? Am I the only one guilty of this? I saw no heads that were shaking up and down. Don't you do that sometimes? That, Yeah, you're like thinking, you know, okay, here's how I'm going to respond back. And you're like, I have no idea what they just said. We're guilty of this. We're not good listeners. Somebody once said it this way. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Because he wants you to listen twice as much is what you're speaking. But yeah, we don't do that. We don't really stop to listen. There was a study that was done a couple years ago. They, they surveyed these people and they said, how many of you read your Bible at least once per week? 
And it came back that 37% of people said, yep, I read my Bible at least once a week. They asked those exact same people, how often do you pray? Or do you pray at least once a week? 85% of them said yes. Did you catch that? 37% said that they read their Bible at least once a week. 87% pray at least once a week. In other words, they're making the exact same mistake that you and I make. That we're praying, we're talking to God. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. God, I need this. God, I need this. Blah, 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 blah. And God's going, hey, I've got some things I want to speak to you. I've got some things I want to share with you. It's found here in the Word, but we don't crack it open, do we? We speak to God way more than what we listen to God. And we can't do that. You know, we wonder, why is life not working out the way I want it to? It's because you won't shut up. Now, it's important that you pray. It's important that you talk to God. Like any relationship, you want to communicate to Him, and He wants to communicate to you. But, man, He really wants to speak to you. And the way He speaks to you is through the Word. So today what we're going to do is look at four principles to help you to do that in four ways that God's Word does transform our life. And what we're going to do is basically hang out in the book of James. So if you've got a Bible, you want to turn to the book of James, go ahead and do that. If you don't have a Bible there in your outline, it's all the scriptures we're going to be looking at. It'll be up on the screen for you as well. James is the book that, uh, as we started this series a couple weeks ago, we uh, actually, as a church, read through all five chapters of the book of James. There's just so much rich content in here. And again, it's going to speak to us here this morning. So here's the first thing that you've got to know. First thing you got to do, if God's Word is going to transform your heart and your life, number one there on your outline, I must listen to God more than I speak to God. That's what I was just talking about. you got to listen to God more than you speak to Him. Here's how James puts it, James 1.19. Everyone should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to... Hey, I'm angry. That's a great scripture to memorize. If you don't have that one memorized, memorize that one. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now, in the original context that James is talking about here, it's our relationship with one another. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. But I think it could apply to our relationship with God as well. Be quick to listen. Be quick to read God's word and slow to speak and and talk back to God. Many times people are like, why aren't my prayers getting answered? Because you're not praying the will of God. You're asking for things that God's word has already clearly said that you can't have or shouldn't have. But yet you just keep speak, 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 speak. Why? Because you haven't been listening to what God would have for you. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Less of you talking, more of God talking. Again, the way that you do that is by reading his word. Very rarely are you going to hear that audible voice from God going, Hello down there. This is God. You're not, you're not going to hear that. He can do that. He's God. He can do anything. But more than likely, he's not. But Gilbert, I want to hear from God. I know you do. And it's all right here. Open it up every single day and hear from God. His Spirit will speak to you through that. Number two then, I must accept God's Word. 
Not only do you need to listen to God more than you speak, but you've, you've got to accept God's word in your life. Listening is not enough. How many of you got kids? How many of you see a raise hand? How many of you got kids? How many of you ever spoken to your kids and they're like, uh-huh, I, I understand that. But yet, then they didn't do it. Or, even worse, they said, nah, I don't really think that's for me. See, it's not just enough to hear it. You've got to actually accept it as well. And that's what we've got to do with God's Word. When we read it, we can't just say, oh, that was, that's a nice little verse there. No, you've, you've got to accept that this is God's Word. That God wants to speak to you. And then you need to apply it, which we'll talk about in just a second. James puts it this way, James 1.21. Get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your soul. What's it say we have to humbly what? Accept God's word. It can't be about what do I want and what do I think is right. See, anytime you say that you know better than God, you're putting yourself in the place of God, and you make a terrible God. You're a horrible God. I'm a horrible God. You are not God. This is His Word. And when He speaks to us, it's because He has the absolute best plans for us. You've heard me say this before. God is not this big ogre in the sky that, like, you know, He's really grumpy and, like, He doesn't want you to have any fun doesn't want you to enjoy life no when he says to do something or not to do something it's because he's a loving parent and he has the absolute best plan for you you've heard me talk before about you know with your kids you don't let them just play out in the middle of the street but dad i want to play out in the street it's fun i don't care if it's fun you're gonna get hurt get out of the street well you don't love me it's because I do love you that I don't want you playing in the street. That's all God's word is. Again, it's his love letter to us. It, it's him as a, a loving father saying, look, here's some boundaries for life. So that you don't get hurt and you can have the absolute best life that you can. So you can't just hear it. You've got to accept it as well and acknowledge that his ways are better than your own. Number three, then, I must act upon what I read and what I hear. You know, all of us at some point in life have heard something. We've accepted that, yep, that's the truth. And then we didn't follow through on it. Read an interesting thing. A couple years ago, the American Heart Association had their big annual conference down in Atlanta. 300,000 doctors and nurses and researchers and various people were there to talk about heart disease. And they heard lecture after lecture and talked about how, you know, high fatty foods, you got to cut those out of your diet and, and get rid of like all the, the bad cholesterol stuff. And I mean, it's just days that they're talking about this. Ironically enough, guess what they are eating for lunch? Fast food, burgers and fries, and they're putting it all in. So they heard it. And they all accepted it and said, yep, we need to be teaching all of our people back home about this. But they weren't actually applying it themselves. One person commented to another the irony of after hearing all this, they're eating fast food for lunch and that they were going out to these restaurants. And the one guy said, well, I don't feel bad about it. I took my name tag off. 
Now, that's funny, but we do sort of the same thing, don't we? We come to church on Sundays, and we have our Christian name tag on. Look at me. I'm a Christian. Anybody want to shine my halo for me while I'm here? We're all good. We're all holy on Sundays. Then we walk out of the door of the theater here, and we rip the name tag off. Monday through Saturday, we live however we want to live. That's not the way it needs to be. God says, look, you need to be holy just as I am holy. Can't be one way here on Sunday mornings and then a completely different way when you walk out of these doors. Jesus actually talked about this once. He said, oh, I know what you are. You're, you're like the guys that we have that are in the theater and they're doing all these, these plays and stuff. You know what actors were called in that day? What the Greek word is? Hippocrates. Hippocrates, that's where we get our word actor. Guess what other word we get from Hippocrates? Hypocrite. So if you come in here and you're hearing the word and you're like, yep, that's God's word. Yeah, I accept that that's the truth. And you walk out and you're living any differently, then you are a Hippocrates. You're a hypocrite. You're taking that name tag off, throwing it away, and the rest of the world doesn't see that you're any different than what they are. can't just hear it you've got to accept it and then apply it james puts it this way james 122 do not merely listen to the word and so what deceive yourselves don't deceive yourself and to think that you can live differently than what god's word says you can't he says do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourselves you need to what do what it says do what it says now, again, when we talk about the doctors and the American Heart Association and them taking their name tags off, that was a funny story. But it's serious business when we're talking about us. And we're talking about our relationship with God. And we're talking about our eternal destiny that's at stake. See, I, I think it's this one is where the major disconnect is for a lot of people and in a lot of churches. That if we could just get this one down that we're not just hearers the word but we're doers as well that man we would transform not only our lives but this city this nation and the world and so here's the big point that i want to make to you this morning if you're taking notes it's there on your outline that the bible isn't given to us for information but rather transformation if you think that just showing up here on sunday mornings and hearing god's word is enough for you you've got another thing coming if you think that just reading it and saying, oh, that's a bunch of good stories, but then not applying it is what it's all about, uh-uh, not at all. This is not about just filling your head full of intellectual thoughts and intellectual knowledge. Guess who was the, the most biblically educated people of Jesus' day? The Pharisees. And what did the Pharisees do? They killed him. They killed God. The guys that had more head knowledge about God than anybody else, they killed him. So it's not about just knowing a lot about him. It's about really knowing him. And when you say that you really know someone and love someone, you're obedient. And, and you do things that show and express your love. 
Lisa and I, we've been married now for 19 years. We were dating two years before that. Do you think that after 21 years of knowing one another, that if I just every day said, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, but yet I was beating her and I was cheating on her and I was saying all kinds of nasty things about her behind her back, you think she'd still be with me to this day? No. Why? Because it's not just merely about what you say with your lips. It's about what you actually do with your life. Jesus said it this way. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? And didn't we do that in your name? You know, cast out demons and we did miracles. We did all kinds of great things in your name. And notice that those people are calling him Lord. It's not like they're saying, I don't even believe in who you are. No, they're saying, I believe that you are God. He says, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because it was all just lip service. It was just talking a good game, but not actually living it out. Again, the same way that Lisa wouldn't tolerate me doing all bad kinds of bad stuff, God's not going to tolerate it either. We need to walk in obedience to what he has. In fact, Second John, verse 6, it says this. This is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. Jesus himself said something very similar. He said, if you love me, you obey what I've commanded. See, a lot of times we want to cheapen God's grace and we're like, well, you know what? Yep, I'm a sinner. And God's going to forgive me no matter what I do. And you're right. No matter what you do, God will forgive you. There's nothing that's beyond his, his forgiveness and his grace. But here's the thing. When it says that we're to believe in Jesus, it's not talking about just in our heads intellectually. It's talking about a belief that is so strong that it motivates us to change our lives. And that's what the Bible calls repentance. That we were walking this way. We were going Satan's way. We were going our own way. And we say, you know what? Jesus, you're forgiving me for all the junk that I've done. And I'm grateful. In fact, I'm so grateful for that, that since you've given me eternal life, I'm going to turn my back on that way. I'm going to go the other way. I'm repenting of that. I'm going now towards you. Again, the belief the Bible talks about is belief that is so strong that it motivates you to change your life. Did you say the old me has died and the new me has come to life? That's what happened July 27, 1993, 21 years ago today. That I said, if I keep doing what Gilbert's doing, I'm on my way to hell. And yes, Jesus will forgive me of all the stuff that I've done. But he isn't going to allow me just to keep walking this way. Because that's like saying to Lisa, I love you, I love you, I love you but beating her and abusing her. And see, we can't cheapen God's grace. If we keep knowingly sinning time and time and time again, what we're doing is we're just basically spitting right in Jesus' face. Yes, he will forgive you, but he's not going to tolerate you just continuing to walk in sin. You need to turn from that. Now, let me be very, very clear. None of us will be perfect this side of heaven. We're all still going to mess up. And God's grace is there to forgive us. But you can't continually and knowingly 
walk in sin. So many people are like, I know God, but. I know God, but. I know God, but. You know what I liken that to? Jesus said at the end he's going to separate the sheep, which are his, from the goats. What do the goats do? But, but, but. Be holy, just as he is holy. You're going, Gilbert, I I don't know, I, I can't do it. You're right, you can't. That's what the Spirit of God is for. When God's Spirit comes and lives inside of you, you now have the power. You're, you're connected to the power source. You don't have to pick up life and throw it down. Pick up life and throw it down in your own strength and your own power. Now God's Spirit, God's power is there to help you and lead you and guide you and direct you in everything that you need to do. James continues along this same line of thinking by saying this in verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 23 and 25. If you hear the message and don't obey it, you're like people who stare at themselves in the mirror and forget what they look like as soon as they leave. But you must never stop looking at the perfect law that sets you free. God will bless you in everything that you do if you listen and obey and don't just hear and forget. Now, I love what James is saying here. He's saying, look, When you crack open this book on a daily basis, it's like a mirror. As you look down into it, it's going to reflect back to you who you truly are. Isn't that awesome? That when you read it, you're getting a picture of who you truly are. But see, here's what happens so often. Most Christians don't use this as a mirror. They use it as a picture. They picture themselves as they want to be, not as they actually are. Now, let me illustrate it for you this way. Take a look at this picture here with me and my uh, niece, Brooklyn. We uh, just got to meet. This was uh, just taken a couple weeks ago. This is on our vacation while we were out in uh, uh, California, and she was 11 months old at this point, and so we were hanging out and stuff. And uh, actually, Steve, is Steve around? Steve, can you shut out the lights? Where's Steve at? Or Brian? This is going to be a little bit easier to see with the lights out. There you go. All right. There she is. All right. Now, I heard a lot of you going, aww. But, you know, she's pretty cute, too. All right. All right. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm... Kidding, I've told you this before. I, I realize I did not get the handsome gene at all. <laughs> it's just not, not in my family. And here's the other deal. In my life, I've had, uh, I think, five or six sets of stitches just in my face alone. Uh, all kinds of other scars and blemishes and stuff. So this is a picture of who and, and what I really am. But, you know, I'd like to be different. I, I wish that, like, look at my forehead there. You can see all the blemishes and, and various things there. So I wish that that could change. So through the power and the miracle of Photoshop, take a look at this. Watch. Boom. <laughs> Looking good, huh? And then notice my teeth are crooked. It's got gaps in it and all that kind of stuff. But through the power and the miracle of Photoshop, 
Yep, there we go. And you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, I didn't get like grow gray, which is like wisdom. No, I went bald. I don't know what that means. But uh, hey, with Photoshop, you can do anything. Ah, oh, yeah. And, you know, if we just made one more just teeny tiny little tweak, yeah! I don't know about you guys, but I look an awful lot like Brad Pitt. Just with a minor little adjustment there. All right, you can turn the lights back on. See, this is what we do so often. We open up God's Word and we see what we would like to be. And we don't use it as a mirror to see who we truly are. But yet, that's what we need to do every single day. We need to open it up and say, God, through your Spirit, reveal to me the real me. And guess what? It's not always going to be pretty. You know, when you lean into a mirror at home, all of a sudden you start to see every little blemish and every little wrinkle and every little thing that you don't want to see there. That's what's going to happen when you crack open God's Word. He's going to start to show you things about yourself that you're like, ooh, that's ugly. I didn't want that to be there at all. But here's the cool thing. Not only will God reveal the ugliness, but God will actually restore you and change you in the who it is that he wants you to be. We sing that song here occasionally that God will take and turn. How's it go, Bill? Uh, you make all things beautiful. How, how's it go? Um, yeah, me, me too. I had it in my mind, and it's like, uh, yeah, so you, make, you take uh, the, the, the beautiful things out of the dust, and, 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 you, and you turn all these, like, just, bad things and he makes them beautiful that's god's job he's a forgiver he's a a redeemer he's a healer he's a restorer he makes all things beautiful that's what he wants to do in your life and yeah when you crack open god's word it's going to be fearful sometimes to see the real you it's going to be tough as god starts to reveal to you some of the things that are going on in your life but yet you need to do it because that's the absolute best thing for you. See, the reality is you and I are spiritually sick. We are. We're sick. And we need help. In fact, we need major help. We need major spiritual surgery. The problem is we want just to take like some vitamins and not have to go under the knife. We want chemo, but not the corrective surgery that will take the the cancer out of us. We want healing without having to have an incision. We want joy in our lives without ever having to experience any sorrow. Listen, God doesn't want to make just a couple cosmetic changes in your life. He actually wants to change you from the inside out. See, when you get cosmetic surgery, you can look like Brad Pitt if you want to. They can do anything through surgery. But Jesus doesn't want to just clean up the outside of you. You know, a lot of people think, well, as long as I don't smoke, drink, chew, or run with girls that do, you know, I'm okay. 
you know, I look at me, you know, I, I don't cuss anymore, and, you know, I'm, on the outside, I look, I look okay. What God really wants is to change the inside of you. Lust and pride and greed and jealousy and rage. Those inward things that you can hide easily from others. Well, guess what? You can't hide them from God. Every time you crack open this book, he'll reveal to you the things that he wants to change. And again, what I want to encourage you to do today is to realize that the more hopeless your situation becomes, and the more hopeless you are, the more helpful God is for you. So you've got to stay connected to that power source, to the pneuma, to the wind, to the spirit. Don't try to go through life on your own. Every day, open up this text message and your life will be transformed and changed forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, so much for these past three weeks as we've been able to look at who you are and, and the, the power that is in your word, that these aren't just clever stories invented by men, but this is the actual word of God to us. And it does have the power to change and to transform, to convict us of all the things in our lives that you would have for us to change through the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray that we would never take your word for granted again, that we would never just merely keep your Bible, your holy word up on a bookshelf somewhere, but that God, every day we would crack it open and whether it just be a couple of verses or a chapter or two, that every day we're getting at least some of your word in us. And that Lord, as we read it, we wouldn't just say, oh, that's a good story. But we would say, God, how does my life need to change as a result of what I've just read here? That, God, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would, again, convict each and every one of us so that we would have this, this new passion, new desire to spend time with you. Because, Jesus, we know that all you really want is a relationship with us and that it is okay to communicate with you through prayer. But help us not to neglect the way you want to communicate back to us, and that is through your word. Again, give us that conviction to open it up every single day to see what it is that you'd have to say to us. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.